Colossians 1, verse 21. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, church. Let's go to God in prayer for one more time. We need His grace. Uh, God, we are in need of your grace to see the truth in your word. We are in need of mercy to be, to be taken away from ourselves and to, to be taken away from our sinfulness. And, and would you bring us into the light of your word? Would you bring us into the light of your truth? Would you bring us into the light of the gospel? And may we stand in the gospel here today. May we stand in um, our reconciliation today. May we stand um, in, in who, in all of who you are today. So God, I pray that you would help us um, just to see the truth in your word and be transformed by your word. And at the end of it, would you come to, that we will come to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So who do you need to be reconciled to? Is there someone that you have an argument ongoing with? Is there someone where, you know, what, what happened that broke uh, a relationship with that person that you need to be reconciled to? Right? Were you the one who wronged the other party or were you the one who was wronged in this situation? What if, what if I asked you in this moment, hey, go and make amends with that person right now, right? How, how would you feel? How would you respond? Would you be like, yeah, I want to, yeah, no, I don't really want to, right? I, I think if we're honest, and, and if we're honest, I think most of us would say there's some sort of hesitancy uh, to want to go make right with that person, if we're honest with ourselves, Reconciling with someone is probably one of the harder things that we go through. Um, I, I think especially for us as Asians, you know, we like to sweep things under the rug, right? We, we don't, we avoid conflict, like, no, I don't want to deal with that. No, I don't want to see you, right? We, we just hide away from conflict. Now, as we probably know, sweeping things under the rug doesn't really repair the relationship, does it? It doesn't do anything for uh, mending it. It doesn't do anything for getting closer. So when it, but when it comes to our relationship with God as Christians, you know, uh, the way we are reconciled back to God, that should change the way we interact with God. Right? It should change the way, uh, the way we believe God views us. Because of reconciliation, um, it should deepen our, our, our relationship with God. Right, re re reconciliation, it goes way beyond just repairing a relationship, right? Uh, all of us in here today, we, have, we deal with reconciliation with God. Either we need to be reconciled with God or we have been reconciled with God. So our need to be reconciled to God can only come through the work of Christ, 
right? We're gonna, today we're going to focus on the work of Christ because two weeks ago when we started the, those, we started the series of Colossians, we talked about, um, Pastor Jason talked about this, this idea of spiritual inadequacy, Right, we we feel spiritual. We feel inadequate in our spirituality. We feel inadequate when it comes to our salvation. Sometimes, right? For the Colossians, they were told. What were they told? They were told that you need to have Jesus, believe in Jesus, but also you know you need to hold to aestheticism. Right? You need to uh, hold back some of the things from your life, and you need to be better. And that, together with Jesus, is salvation for you. They were told that their faith was not good enough. That faith in Jesus alone was not good enough, so you had to have something else. So last week, Pastor Jason, then he talked about how, hey, there was this idea of the supremacy of Christ. And the supremacy of Christ battles this idea of spiritual inadequacy. And so then today's passage, last week, in today's passage, Paul talks about this idea, hey, you know, last week we looked towards the supremacy of Christ. Today I want, we want to look at the work of Christ. We want to look at the work of Christ and how that battles spiritual inadequacy. He wants to look specifically, Paul wants to look specifically at the, the work of Christ, specifically reconciling us back to God. So through today's passage, we'll see, th- we'll see different ways of how reconcil- reconciliation um, what does more than just repair uh, a broken relationship. So the three things, that's where we're going today. The three things we'll see is a broken relationship with, we, we have a broken relationship with God in need of reconciliation. We'll see that we have a restored relationship with God through reconciliation. And then we'll see that we have an unwavering relationship with God grounded in reconciliation. And so let's read uh, verses, Colossians 1, verse 21 again. I want you guys to look at this. And it says, And you who were once alienated, who once were alienated and hostile in mind and doing evil things. I want us just to look, I want you to look at this, just the first two words, and you, right? So here, Paul, he's talking to Christians in here. He's addressing the Christians, and he, he's addressing who they are now, right? And so he, talk, he, he just talked about the supremacy of Christ, how Christ has supremacy, and now he's addressing the depravity of man, right? He says, and you, you were what you once were. So more specifically, he's talking about a Christian's past. He talks about where they came from. He talks about where you came from, right? Uh, Paul is always reminding people of their past, right? In Ephesians, right, he says, therefore, remember at one time you were Gentiles. Remember at one time you were separated. So he, he, Paul here, he's pointing to our past, and he's using our past to make a point, Right? He's making the point that you and I have no way of reconciling our relationship to God by ourselves. He is saying you have no way to get back to God on your own. You and I, we had a, be- a broken relationship with God. In fact, not only did we have a broken relationship, not only did we had a bro- have a broken relationship, but we're the ones who broke that relationship. So it is through Christ who has supremacy that we can be reconciled. We're the ones who turned away. We we are the ones to blame. So this is who we are before being reconciled to God. We're alienated, hostile in mind, and we 
doing evil things. Right? Many times I like to ask you, hey, 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 what, what is sin? Can you, can you explain what sin is? How would you define sin? So I want you to think about this. What do you think what are some of the most common answers I hear when I ask that question, what is sin? Right? Most of the times what is, they'll probably get to give you an answer of it is doing something bad. Or maybe it is you know, doing something God doesn't like. I don't know what comes up to your mind when I ask, what is sin? Sin, maybe something it's, it's doing, I don't know, just, just going the opposite way or something, right? And then, and then I ask a follow-up question. I ask a follow-up question. It says, you know, like, what, what, is, what are the effects of sin in your life? The most, prob- the most common answer I probably get, it, it says, they probably say, hey, it separates you from God, so what we need to see here in this passage is and not only are we separated, though, but we're separated because we're, we were an enemy of God. We were, we're separated because we were enemies of God. But because sometimes we make light of what sin is. We, we, we diminish what sin really does to us. We believe sin is just a slap on the wrist. We believe that we can just sin one night and wake up and it, and it just kind of disappeared and that's it. We just feel better. Maybe it's just, oh, it's just something that God doesn't like and it's a little disobedience. We're bad, but we're not that bad, right? Sometimes we believe that. We're, we're bad, but we're not that bad. I mean, I used this example last week, but I, I want you all to imagine. Imagine if I had a, a basketball goal right here, and I, I picked one of you guys to come and shoot 10 free throws, right? Uh, how many of, I don't know about you guys. Maybe some of y'all think you can make, like, you know, 9 out of 10 free throws. Some of y'all be like, okay, I'll make, like, one free throw, right? I think I would make, like, five. I, I'm like, okay, right? I'm bad, but not that bad, right? And, and, but here's, like, maybe I ask someone to come up, and they make eight free throws, eight out of 10, and, 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 and we're just not that bad. Sometimes we believe our Christianity is not that bad. We believe, hey, you know what? Like, I'm an 8 out of 10 Christian. We're just not that bad of a person. But here's the thing about this passage. The thing about this passage, when it says we're alienated and hostile of mind and, and, and doing evil deeds, the idea is we're not even facing the right goal. We're not even facing the right way. We're, we're not even shooting at the goal we're supposed to. Like, so the other week, my friend texts me, and he goes, hey, you want a Chris Paul jersey, right? I'm like, what? Right? He's like, it's $5, right? And I'm like, okay. Like, this is one of those jerseys that was, it's not just one of those iron-on jerseys. It was one of those authentic jerseys. It was like one of those where all the numbers and all the letters, they were stitched onto it. And there was like this little gold patch uh, that was saying like two-time world championship, like, you know. Um, but it was only $5, right? You know why, though, right? Because he's not on a team anymore, right? He's not a Rockets anymore, Right? Essentially, he's an enemy to the Rockets. He ain't going for us. And so, I mean, if you think about, think about Westbrook. Think about Westbrook in this case. Four months ago, he was an enemy to the Rockets. He wasn't going to help us to win a championship. I don't know if he'll help us win a championship now, but he's still not an enemy of God. Uh, enemy, uh, he's not an enemy. Sorry. He's still not an enemy uh, to the Rockets now. 
He's on our side, right? But four months ago, he was not on our side, but now he's on our side. And, and I want us to see that this passage is saying, hey, 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 no, your sin is more than just, hey, a, a slap on the wrist. Your sin was more than just, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll go sit in time out for five minutes, right? I don't know about you how you were disciplined when you were little, right? My parents, when I was disciplined, how I was disciplined, they said, go kneel in the corner and raise your hands, right, for like an hour. I don't know. Did y'all do that? I, I don't know. Right? I feel like I should have broader shoulders now. But, it's, but it, sin doesn't just, you know, uh, allow you to just go sit in the corner for a little bit. Sin makes you alienated from God. It makes you hostile towards God. It makes you do evil deeds. It's not and our reconciliation is never about uh, is never based upon what you and I do, because it's not about Jesus plus my eight out of ten free throws, not my eight out of ten whatever my 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 coming to church. It's not about my Jesus plus my faith and how good I, how great I was, because even in your ninety percent of of you know whatever Christianity that life that you're living, you're still batting for the wrong team. You're 100% against who God is. Without Christ, your wills, your desires, your purpose, they all oppose the will of God. You're an enemy of God. Christianity is not being about a moral person. It's about being a reconciled person. So we have a need in reconciliation. We have a need for reconciliation, but it's not going to be based upon uh, what you and I do. And we, we know that we can't. Because why? Because we're enemies. So the question is, how does reconciliation happen? How does this reconciliation happen? So let's read on in verse 22. Look at verse 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. We read that through reconciliation, you and I are presented holy and blameless and above reproach. Three things, holy, blameless, and above reproach. We're presented that way. Paul says, we were once alienated, hostile in mind, and did evil, did, did evil deeds. But now we're the complete opposite. Now we're the complete opposite. We're holy, blameless, and above reproach. Everything that kept us away from God has disappeared. We were once apart from God, now we're set apart for God. We were once hostile towards God, and now we're innocent toward, before God. We once acted out against God, and now there's nothing God can bring against you. Blameless, holy, and above reproach. But I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to look, look at this. In the middle of verse 22, what does it say? In the middle of verse 22, the text says, we are being presented like this. It says, by, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you. We're presented as holy, blameless, uh, holy and blameless and above reproach. We, we're not holy, blameless and above reproach. And we're not there yet but we're presented like this. 
So how can this be? How, how can this happen? Uh, how, about, you know, how does the death of Christ make us holy, you know, you know, make us be presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach? I mean, think about your life. Think about your life. Is it anywhere near blameless? Think about your morning. Let me just say that. Think about your weekend. Was it anywhere near blameless? You might be blameless in your actions, but maybe your heart is a mess. One way or another, you fall short constantly. One way or another, we're going to have to say the confessions week in and week out. That is something we have to reflect on. So how can we be presented as described here? How can we be presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach? So it is going to, through the death of Christ, two things happen. Right? And, and I talked about this uh, 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 maybe back in January, but there's this theological term called double imputation. So two things happen. The first thing that happens when Christ on the, uh, died on the cross was that our sins were placed onto him. Yes, we all know that Jesus died for my sins. What is the gospel? Jesus died for my sins. How are you saved? Jesus died for my sins. That, and that's a simple answer, but it's not a complete answer to the gospel. That's the first part. That's one thing that happened on the cross where Jesus took our sin. But there's a second thing that gives a more complete picture of what the gospel is. But then we, the second thing that happens that you and I receive as Christians, we receive the righteousness of Christ. The Christ's righteousness is imputed into our accounts. The supremacy of Christ, right, and him being preeminent, as, as Jason talked about last week, that makes him holy. And because he is holy, and because he is blameless, and because he is, blame, is above reproach, that's why you and I are presented as Christ. This is why you and I, when we receive the righteousness of Christ, we are presented as Christ. So, I want us to see what this means for us. So I like to listen to rap. I like to listen to rap. Specifically, um, there are some Christian artists I like to listen to, Tripoli, Andy Mineo, and Lecrae. Those are some of the few. Um, so I, listen, I do listen to Lecrae a lot. Um, and one of his newest albums, not his newest, but his, uh, his second to last album, it's called All Things Work Together, right? And referencing uh, Romans 8.28. Okay, he wrote in that album, he wrote a few songs dealing with rec, uh, racial reconciliation. And, and one of the songs, uh, the song called Facts, uh, he talks about, uh, he, he plays a clip from Pastor Leon's Crump. And in that clip, Pastor Leon's Crump, he says this about reconciliation. He says, reconciliation requires defrauded parties to be made whole, not just apologizing for the offense. I'll say that again. Reconciliation requires defrauded parties to be made whole, not just apologizing for the offense. So that makes sense, right? I think back to the beginning of this message when I ask you, when I ask you to think about, you know, how think about being reconciled back to someone. Think about a relationship you need to be reconciled, you, that you need to be reconciled. Were you the one that was wronged? Were you wronged in that situation? What would, look, what would reconciliation look like for you in that situation? What would reconciliation, what would you want to happen before you would even pursue reconciliation? Maybe there needs to be some payback that needs to happen. Maybe there needs to be um, you know, some conversations to be had. 
Maybe there needs, there needs to be some sort of restoration. I think in any scenario of reconciliation, the person who has hurt, has been hurt needs to be healed. I think we need to see that, right? Or unless just, we're just sweeping it under the rug again. The person offended has some sort of pain to work through. The, the, the trust is lost. So I want us to see, thing, see, see one thing about the gospel, though. I want us to see how, how beautiful the gospel is in our situation of reconciliation. So not only were we the ones who made the offense, not only were we the ones who were doing evil things and hostile toward gods and alienated, we're the ones who were made whole in reconciliation. Do you see that? We're the ones who, who were made whole. We were the ones who made blameless. We are the ones who were made above reproach. In reconciliation, the one who was offended was the one who was defrauded. The one who was defrauded was the one who pursued to make the other person whole. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's opposite of what we think how our relationship look like, look, would look like in, our, in, our, you know, in human standards. It doesn't make sense why, why God would come down and make us whole. It doesn't make sense why God would come down and pursue the ones who broke the relationship with him. Through this reconciliation, through us being made whole, we are back in relationship with God. Our relationship has been restored. And here's the thing. You won't ever be out of this relationship. And I'll say this because of our last point here. Our last point, our last point uh, we have an unwavering relationship with God grounded in reconciliation. So let's keep going in this. Let's read verse 23. Sorry, actually, let's read the last part of 22. It says, after we, in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach, I want you to see these two words, before him. We were presented these three things before him. We're presented as blameless. We're presented as blameless and holy and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So you and I were presented as holy but I want y'all to see in this picture where are you presented? Who are you presented to? Well, you're being presented before God. You, we are before God here. So when God sees you, he sees you as holy. He sees you as blameless. He sees you as above reproach. Because what, 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 follows, is what, what follows that, those two words before God, before him, it can be a bit confusing here. It can be confusing because at first glance, you're thinking Paul is making some sort of conditional statement. You're thinking Paul is making some sort of conditional statement saying, hey, you know what? You will be presented as holy. You will be presented as blameless if you continue in the faith, if you, you, know, you, know, if you stand steady and steadfast. But there are three things here. I want us to look at that, that, that we can see that you know, we're going to have this unwavering relationship, that we're going to be in this relationship, that we won't be lost out of this relationship. We can't be taken out of this relationship with God. So the first thing that we need to see here, see here is actually as part of context is, you know, Paul, he is arguing for salvation to come through Christ and Christ alone, 
right? Not Christ plus something. Not Christ plus your faith. That's what we've been talking about. But the second thing that Paul, that we see here, Paul says, you know, that we see here is he has now reconciled you, right? In verse 22, he says he has now reconciled in his body of flesh. That is, it is not he will reconcile you, but this reconciliation has happened already. And there's a third thing, third thing that we see here. Um, there's this actually, there's a Greek phrase that he uses. Uh, and if it's translated, if indeed. So he doesn't just say, if you, you know, continue steady and steadfast. He says, if indeed. And so when he uses this, this phrase, if indeed, Paul is trying to make a point of not trying to cast doubt. You know, he's not trying to go, hey, you know, maybe this will happen. But rather, this word, this phrase, if indeed, he's saying, hey, this will happen. You are going to continue stable and steadfast. You are going to, you know, be not, you are, you're not going to shift from the hope of the gospel. So our faith will remain unwavering, not because of our faith is so great. Our faith, you know, remains unwavering, not because we're so good at it. It's not, it's not because of our faith. Because if we're honest with ourselves, if you're honest with yourself, your faith is not that great sometimes. Sometimes it's 8 out of 10. Sometimes it's 4 out of 10. Sometimes you're like, man, is God even, do I even have faith? Paul is saying, hey, it's not about your faith, but it's about the object of your faith. I'm sure we heard that before, right? It's not about how good your faith is, but it's going to be about how great your, the object of your faith is. It's going to be about Christ. When Paul mentions not shifting from a hope that, 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 the, of the gospel that you heard, he's kind of using the same, the same idea in Matthew chapter 7. Um, he's, ta- he's referencing this idea of Matthew 7 when, he, when, when Jesus talks about the two builders, right? He, they one that built the house on the sand, and then one who built the house on the rock, why does the house stand when the judgment comes? Why does the house stand when the water comes, when the storm comes, when the wind comes? It's not the house, but it's the rock. It's the foundation of that, right? And so that's what Paul is getting at. It is not your faith. It is not your house, but it's going to be your foundation. It's going to be Christ and Christ alone, and it's going to be the object of your faith. So let's just play this out a little bit. So we see that Paul is saying, hey, we're being presented before God. You are being presented before God. So you and I, we stand before God each and every day. Let's imagine God, he's, he's here and he, he looks after, he watches over you. He sees everything in your life. He sees your life. I mean, imagine him maybe either sitting there, imagine him just being around you all the time. I don't know, but he's watching you and he sees everything in your life, everything that goes on. He sees your thoughts. He sees the motivation of your heart. He sees the things that you look at. He sees the, the curse word that you say in your mouth, but don't say it out loud, right? He sees the, 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 the middle finger you stuck up, and you know, when someone cut you off in the middle of the road, you know, right? He sees everything. He knows the inside and out. So my, my question to you is this. What is the response of the Father towards you right now? What is the response of the Father towards you now in this moment when he sees everything going on in your life as you're being presented to him? 
and I, I think Chandler, Matt Chandler, he says, this, he says, God is not in love with the future version of yourself. He's not in love with the future version of you. I want you to get that, right? Because sometimes we, we, we believe, hey, you know what, maybe if I, were, if I were to be better, if I were to get there, if I were to do things better, if I were to do things differently, if I were more like this person, maybe I, you know, I, that would be better. That would be, you know, God would love me then. But the idea of God is not in love with this future version of you, I think it's true because God has full acceptance of you now. God has full acceptance of all that you are now with all the things that you're messed up with. But only on the basis of being presented with Christ and his righteousness. You stand in full assurance, in full acceptance, and in this unwavering relationship with God, not because of who you are, but because of Christ and his righteousness alone. Because in the moments of failure, where's your faith? In your moments of failure, where are you going to turn to? You must not waver in your faith because of Christ. You won't because of your, your faith in Christ. Because why? Because Christ has a hold of you in that moment. There is nothing else you can and you should hold on to. There is nothing else you can hold on to. You know, think about it. In your moments of failure, how would you respond to God? You wouldn't go, I don't know, you wouldn't go, oh God, but, but I know I failed here, but here's some, some of the things I've done. You wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't go, hey, but here's some of the good things. That, here's my attendance, and here's my Bible reading plan that I've done so well on. Here's my good works. Here's the things that I've given up in life for you. We wouldn't bring that before God in our failures. Because if you turn to a Jesus plus 80%, you won't pass. So boast in Christ and Christ alone. Boast in Christ and his righteousness alone. Reconciliation does way more than just restoring your relationship with God. It's the ground that you stand on. This, real, this reconciliation where you're presented before God as holy, blameless, and above reproach, that's what you stand on. That's where you're not going to waver from him. Through reconciliation, the only thing that you boast in is the work of Christ. Through reconciliation, you boast and, and hold on to Christ and Christ alone and his work on the cross. You will have nothing else to boast in. Definitely not your hostile mind. Definitely not your evil deeds. But in Christ alone. Christ alone has supremacy. And in Christ alone and his work can we find reconciliation. And so for those of you who are in here who have not received Christ, who are not in Christ, I'm going to plead with you to see where you stand today. I want you to think about where you stand with God. And I will say this, you stand against God as an enemy if you do not have Christ. You stand against God as an enemy that rebels against his glory. Your good works, Christianity, you know, being living like a Christian will not be good enough. You can't live for him, you know, not living with him. 
Christianity is not about morality. It's not being good. Christianity is not about, hey, these are some good things in life. Because without Christ, you're still in rebellion against him. You're an enemy. But I also plead with you. I plead with you to see what God has done through his son. And I plead with you to, to, to see how he's pursuing, how he pursues enemies. I, I plead with you to, 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 to go after a restored relationship with God. He wants to reconcile you back with himself. He wants to reconcile with you through his sacrifice. But for us in Christ, us Christians in here, and you guys, you guys need to know that you are reconciled. It's not that he, you know, you're, it, there's not a future version of yourself. It's not, you know, one year from now when I get better at my Bible reading, when I love God more, when I love my, you know, God's word more, when I'm praying more. He's not, he's not going to accept you only then. But no, he accepts you now in your messed upness. And it's not because of you, not because you hold on to your good works, but only because you hold on to Christ and you boast in Christ alone. In this moment with all your ugliness, all of it, he looks at you with delight. In that song we sing, he will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. He will hold me fast. You, God delights in you in these moments. Because you are in Christ. Because he sees, not you and your messed upness, because he sees Christ. So Christ is the only thing that you can boast in. Christ will keep you stable and steadfast in your faith because he is our sure hope. Let's pray. God, we come before you. Actually, we thank you that we can even come before you as broken and messed up people, as people who are, who are evil, people who were alienated, people who were far off, people who were your enemies, and yet now we can come before you. Now we, can, now we can come just approach you with confidence, not being scared. We don't have to come and, and, and worry, will you accept us? Will you love us? No, 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 we come before you because you have reconciled us already, and you love us, and you delight in us. And it's not because of us, not because of what we do, but, he, but it's because of Christ and his work. And God, I pray that we would see that here today. That we would see where we stand with you. We would see what Christ has done. And God, I, again, I, I just pray that you would save some souls in here today that need to be saved. That you would reconcile those who need to be reconciled, to, uh, reconciled here today. May you be merciful and reconcile us back to you. In Jesus' name pray. Amen.